0: Welcome to the Brew Files from Experimental Brewing, our quick hit series where we focus on fundamental aspects of brewing, including styles, techniques, and recipes. More brew, more flavor, more stories, less time, and less ukulele. In this episode, my brewery slash garage refurb is nearing completion. I actually have doors. And now it's time to think what to brew. It's not brewing until you brew. Now, I love sitting down and thinking and overthinking recipes. I've daydreamed during work about grain bills and hot schedules, much to the chagrin of my bosses. So, what to brew to celebrate the new space? Denny and I discuss. But first, a message from our sponsors.
1: Seltzer Sensation is here, and our friends at Mangrove Jacks have specifically formulated their newest Craft Series yeast for making homebrewed hard seltzer. The Mangrove Jacks hard seltzer yeast and nutrient produces a clean, neutral flavor and aroma profile, allowing you to get creative with your hard seltzer recipe. Homebrewers can use this blend of yeast and nutrient in their own seltzer recipes, or choose from one of the new Mangrove Jack's Hard Seltzer Recipe Kits, which are formulated to make up to 5 gallons of refreshing 4.5% seltzer. The kits come in three thirst-quenching varieties, Raspberry Breeze, Lemon and Lime Smash, and Pineapple Sunset. This episode is brought to you by the American Homebrewers Association. Now through August 31st, boost your brewing IQ with a free book when you join or renew your American Homebrewers Association membership. Choose from three books by some of the best brewing educators. Ray Daniels, Designing Great Beers, The Ultimate Guide to Brewing Classic Beer Styles, or from Stan Hieronymus, Brewing Local, American Grown Beer, or For the Love of Hops, The Practical Guide to Aroma, Bitterness, and the Culture of Hops. Visit homebrewersassociation.org slash experimental to redeem this limited time offer.
0: All right, welcome back, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Brew Files. As I said in the intro, you know, this is all going to be, well, you know, us talking through a recipe. As you know, I've got a brand new brewery about to, I would say open, but that seems kind of over the top for, hey, I refurbed I my garage and I can now brew in it, right? Not like I'm grand opening a brewery. <laughs> but we always have these special moments whenever we're brewing, and so it's kind of nice to figure out something that well sort of commemorates it right a special a special story beer we know i love stories Uh, what i figured we'd do is we talk a little bit about what to formulate when it's time to have a special story and i'll use the opening of the brewery today we can talk around if you had any ideas for your batch what 600 i think Batch. yep and nope (laughs) yep and no okay my rules for this were that I wanted to do something new, something possibly inspired by a new recipe, but I didn't want the answer to be, "I'll I'll brew another batch of my saison experimental, which I've brewed nine hundred times," or you know, for looking at Denny, you know, another batch of bourbon vanilla imperial porter, or rice mile ripa R- R- So, what's the thought process that I've gone into designing a particular recipe? And in this particular case for the new brewery, I thought I'd walk through this. One, my doors are finally arriving, so my garage will not have doors. I like doors on a garage.
1: Yeah. Good thing to have. Yeah.
0: And I also have a working AC, so I'm going to take it.
1: But without doors, that's not going to work very well.
0: You know, what we've been doing is we've just been taking the uh, the roll-up door that had been on mm-hmm. the front of the garage. You remember that thing that we almost always banged yep. our head into? Taking that, and it's just kind of sitting in the opening. that'll work the garage is semi-closed just not entirely closed and not with a terribly functional door it's more like a flimsy wall but now tomorrow hopefully as we're recording this tomorrow i'll hopefully have doors this particular recipe this is all inspired from a joke that happened on facebook i don't remember the exact context but i think i posted something about the brewery opening up or the garage being redone and somebody had asked hey so what are you going to brew you and i were joking around and I came up with the stupid joke of, well, obviously I have to do a mild cream saison. Yeah. Now, by the way, if you've ever been around me for any period of time, you'll realize just how many of my ideas, and here are the quotes around that, come from basically stupid jokes that I make. Uh Very stupid throwaway jokes. And if you've been following me on social media, you may have seen the new ones starting up, which is the Saturday Morning Temperance and Tea Cake Society. I have no clue where that came from, but I keep getting ideas around it. But not on this beer. This beer is not part of the Tea Cake and Temperance Society, or Temperance and Tea Cake Society. Uh, it wouldn't be very temperancy y if, if there was a beer involved. The real question is, if you have a moment like this, so in my case, New Brewery, Denny's case, Batch 600, what should you brew? And there are two approaches that you can take, one of which is something familiar. And remember, I said in the beginning, not doing another recipe like my saison Experimental. But thing about doing something familiar is, well, Denny, you have your favorite principle of one change at a time.
1: Yep, that's the only way that uh, I I do things. Uh, I was talking to somebody about it the other day. You know, you may get lucky otherwise, but if you do one at a time, you'll know what's going on.
0: At least you can track back where something went wrong, hopefully. And it's good, right? Because, you know, if you're doing something familiar, you have the advantage of when you're doing all these other switches. Like, I'm going to be using a brand new brew uh, brew gear that I've never used before. Right? I'm going to use my G40. I'm going to be in a new space. Things are going to be in different places. I imagine there's going to be a lot of hair pulling where I'm like going, wait, where did I put the wrench? Wait, where's the thermometer? Wait, where's my refractometer? Damn it. There's going to be a lot of that. And so doing something familiar arguably is good because it gives you one less thing to have to worry about. And in fact, if you look at professional breweries, you'll see that when they change breweries, it takes time for them to dial things back in. And the example I always think of is Stone, when Stone moved from their old Esken. Well, no, their old San Marcos system to their new fancy rig that they have in the Escondido facility, which is like this fancy offset German Merlin Calandria, not a boiler boiler system. It took them like a good three to six months in order to be able to make stone IPA taste like stone IPA again. You know, that takes time and doing things that you're familiar with makes a lot of sense because it. It just It's one less thing to have to worry about. Now, in my case, I've already blown through Denny's rule of one change at a time because I'm changing so many things at once.
1: <laughs> well, so, that's you, man.
0: It's not like I can go, okay, hey, you know, we're going to keep the old brewery in place, uh, but now we're going to brew on the G40. We've long since blown past that train station. Um, so I'm already making tons of changes. So, yeah, okay. I, and to me, something new, doing something new is fun. Why I brew. But fundamentally, since I don't actually have to pursue the idea of consistency from batch to batch, the only thing I'm really changing by doing a new recipe is a different malt bill and a different hop timing, right? And there's nothing major going on for me. And, and otherwise, uh, everything else is going to be new and different. And so changing the recipe is just going to be a very tiny portion of what's going to go wrong on that, be- on that beer day. Which brings to the question, if you're going to do something new, what and what inspiration as I said, my inspiration for this one comes from a stupid joke that I made about a mild cream saison, and that comes from the idea of what am I known for? Denny's known for IPAs and hoppy beers and, you know, other, other bits. But, I mean, look, if you think Denny, you're going to think a hoppy beer. Yeah. If you think me, well, I hope you think saison. I'm pretty much half the questions that come into us are – they're targeted towards me are, hey, Drew, I'm going to do a saison. What do you think of X? So I think that's fairly true. People think of me and Saison. Now, and ever since we started doing the brew files, people have started to think of me and Cream Ale. You know, which I don't think people would have ever realized before I started dedicating episodes to the idea of Cream Ale. And also one of the last beers I brewed was the Cream Ale that I sent to Denny. You know, the one with the malted corn, which we're going to get to again. And then lastly, of course, I talk a lot about mild. Not a lot of homebrewers or beer drinkers are very excited about the idea of mild it's not very sexy with brand new hops and all that sort of fun stuff but i do love it and i love the idea of a session beard we've dedicated many episodes to session beers and the idea of like hey go make a session beer it's good for you and the other thing that some people know me for is ipas but that's really more denny's bag and i don't tend to like to combine huge bold hop characters with other characters with or i should say with other like yeast characters and other style characteristics it's part of the reason why i'm not a fan of fruited ipas or milkshake ipas or uh, if i'm going to make an ipa it's an ipa fairly certain Denny's in the same boat yep we joked about it on the socials and we joked about it on the main show so mild cream saison three different elements all things I'm known for combining together. And the idea then is, okay, so what elements do I take from each thing? Here's what I'm thinking. Dang, you tell me what you think. So for mild, the low ABV and, and freshness, right? Good mild should be mm-hmm. low alcohol, should be relatively fresh. It's not going to last around forever in a day. Cream ale, I always kind of think it's pale. It's crisp, but with a fruitiness. And corn, always get a corn character to a cream ale. But definitely not a bowling rock corn character. Mm. <laughs> and then finally, Saison, dryness, earthiness, and a bit of spiciness. What do you think of those characteristics, Denny?
1: Yeah, seems like, uh, I mean, I don't see that it's a lot different than a normal Saison, to tell you the truth.
0: Well, except for now, obviously, we're going like table strength, and, and corn's not a usual adjunct for, for a Saison. Mm hmm. That's kind of where, where I'm going with it. But you are right in the way that it's basically a grisette with corn.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: And if you want more information about uh, grisette, you can go back and you can actually listen to episode 13 of The Brew Files, where I had uh, Dave Jansen on, who seems to have disappeared into the into the wild, unfortunately. But that man had a wealth of knowledge about grisette and other sort of French-Belgian styles at the time. Uh, but go and listen to that. It's episode 13, called Saison City Cousin and Dave Jansen. And we talked a lot about Grisette on that. And historically, it's a, oddly enough, a pale, low gravity, uh, white beer using wheat. Uh, Remember the class of white beers Uh, these days, we kind of think of Belgian wit as a white beer, but white beer used to be a much broader category and Grisette was part of that in a way. And so instead of doing wheat, I want to do corn. And I'm thinking very specifically, I'll use that Sugar Creek corn malt that, that I used in the past. Uh, Denny, you remember when you had the cream ale a couple months ago? Yep. So you had said, I'm trying to remember, it was too
1: corny, right? It was weirdly corny, you know? Um, it's not, it, it didn't strike me as a cream ale at all.
0: Right. And so it's very toasty and it's got more kind of mouthfeel and body to it. So I'm kind of thinking if I throw it here into a low alcohol, grisette-ish style beer. That may actually play better. And I'm trying to remember, I think for that one, I had done like, I want to say I did 40%. My initial thought was basically, okay, kind of keep somewhere in that same category. And we, the other thing I also did want to say is because this is a Grisette, Grisette, or Grisettes historically, like a lot of old Belgian beers had Britannomyces and other things going on with them. I don't want that. It, my bias in Saison world is always to be more for a clean Saison because I tend to think, right, bre- Tends to overtake everything and becomes more about the breadth than than the beer itself. So I'm just going to do a single clean saison strain, just to get it in and out, and not have a lot of time spent on on fermentation. Here's my idea, and you tell me what you think about the malt bill and this whole approach. I'm going to go for about 10.40, right? So mm-hmm. kind of keep the gravity low, a little bit higher than my English mild, but not appreciably so, and about 16 IBUs. Don't want a lot of hop character in this.
1: That seems way low to me, but whatever.
0: Well, okay. So if you're, if you're doing it, where would you go?
1: I'd, I'd do at least 2025.
0: 20, 2025. Okay. Um,
1: just, just to keep it from being cloyingly sweet.
0: Well, my hope is that given that I'm going to use a Saison strain, there will be a lot of
1: sugar in Yeah. That's, that's true. But you know, and, and you are using some sugar to dry it out. Also, I see that you're thinking about using Pelton malt. I would definitely get rid of that 122, uh, Rest if you're going to use Pelton. Have you looked at the diastatic power on it?
0: I uh, know it's super high,
1: 180 to 200. L- lose the, lose the 122.
0: We'll get there in a second. So my idea for the the basic mash was to do a 60 40 split. I think that's what I used in the cream ale as well. Uh, so 60 percent uh, Pilsner malt. In this case, thinking maybe Pelton because uh, I have some on hand still. 40 percent the Sugar Creek malted corn. And then a half a pound of sugar, which is not in that 60-40 split. Again, because I like sugar in a Saison, uh, to Denny's point, it helps kind of make sure the back end gets nice and dry. The only thing I'm kind of kicking around is maybe actually lowering the corn and making it more like a, a 20% or 20, 20 to
1: 30%. I don't think that would be a bad idea, that uh, that malted corn has a very strong flavor to it.
0: Yeah, I mean, it is a serve. Now, okay, you'd mentioned the mash schedule. My initial thought is to do a more traditional saison mash profile, and this mash profile is straight up what is used by Brasserie Vapour in the town of Pipe in Belgium uh, for their saison. And I have a reason for doing this, and it uh, will go through the. Let's go through the schedule, and I'll give you my reason for it. The strike is to go at uh, 122 degrees Fahrenheit or 50C uh, for 15 minutes then do a low rest at 131 degrees Fahrenheit, 55 C, you may notice that the Celsius numbers are more sensical, uh, for 15 minutes, do a beta rest at 142 degrees Fahrenheit, or 60 C for 30 minutes, and then do an alpha rest at 154 degrees Fahrenheit, or 68 C for 30 minutes, and then do a mashup. Now, that's very traditional. Denny, to your point, Peloton has a lot of diastatic power, the protein rest isn't isn't necessary and may actually be de- detrimental.
1: That's right. You should, you should base that kind of thing on the malt and not on a recipe.
0: It's one of the things I'm kicking around, but part of the reason why I do at least want to do a multi-step mash, because, again, I'm typically a single infusion sort of guy, right? So are you.
1: Well, that's not necessarily true. The last couple of times I've used Pilsner malt, I, it was the uh, RAR North Star pills, and I, do, uh, I did a step mash on that and basically a, a hawker's schedule. So I would do, uh, I would mash in about, uh, 131 to 135, uh, immediately start raising it to, uh, oh, geez, I'd have to look. It was either 142 or 145 for about 45 minutes and then go up to 158 for about another 45 minutes,
0: which I mean, oddly or, not surprisingly, it's not all that far off from what I'm talking about here, just like slightly different different stops and one less step
1: right right, yeah and 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 a little bit higher than what you have for your alpha rest, uh you know, you know, I was a little worried about going up to one fifty eight, but I figured after forty five minutes at one forty two or whatever that it would be fine, and sure enough, both the uh, German pills and the triple that I made like that turned out to be uh, a couple of the best examples of those styles that I've ever made.
0: What do you think you got out of doing the Hawker schedule over just doing a single infusion?
1: I I think that I got a more, it's going to sound weird, a, a more sophisticated mouthfeel to the beer. Mm-hmm. And beyond that, it, it's really hard to describe. And I wouldn't swear to it unless I did side by side the other way, which I won't be doing. So <laughs> it's just a guess, but, uh, yeah, I, I'd heard that, uh, that mash schedule spoken of highly, so I wanted to try it, and, uh, it certainly didn't hurt. Now, the, the North Star pills that I used, uh, like the Crispana pills, uh, is really, eh, not so much, it may be a touch under modified, but not really, but, uh, both of those, uh, the manufacturers said that they benefit from that kind of mash schedule, so, Ooh. uh, that's that's what I did, and uh, I'm getting ready to uh, make another triple using the Hana pills. So I'll probably do the same schedule with that.
0: Interesting point. I still have some Hana, so I could I could use the Hana instead of Tolton.
1: Yeah, well, but again, I I still don't know if you'd want to go for a 122 rest or not.
0: Uh, Either doing this sort of PP schedule that I've got, or doing kind of the modified hawkers that you're talking about. I mean, I think both of them are have their pros and cons, right? Obviously, the PPA schedule is intended for olden days of bad malt, or not bad, less powerful malt. Yeah. malt, a malt that needs a little bit more of a helping hand. But I do want to do a multi-step mash in this, large, you know, in part because I think the flavor will benefit, you know, at least for using some of these malts, and particularly that malted corn, but also because I want to test the multi-step mash regimes on the G40.
1: You're going to like it a lot better than trying to do a step mash on the on a 120 volt G30. Let me tell you, man.
0: Well, I'd imagine, but th- that's probably what I want to test, right? Is like going. Yeah. I've done I've done multi steps on the G30, and the, I mean it worked fine. It's slow. Big surprise. Uh,
1: the 120 G30, uh, yeah, it does take a while. The 220 G30 is uh, a, a little bit speedier at uh, doing step mashes but the uh, G40 has so much more power to it it you know the time difference from doing a step mash and a single infusion is uh, virtually unnoticeable
0: that's part of the reason because again yeah you know, keep in mind brewing uh, brewing at least for me is always about learning something new. So, in this particular case, since I've got the new rig, I also want to kind of put it through its paces and understand part of what it can do. That's what I'm thinking for the mash. It's going to be a multi-step mash. I'm not entirely set on the the, the final details. To your point, gotta look at what the, the the base malt's going to be. I do think that malted corn is going to benefit from a multi-step mash, though. Uh,
1: you know, I would think so, but you might want to check with the manufacturer.
0: Now, water chemistry, a lot of times when I do a Saison, I actually generally don't do much water chemistry, maybe a little gypsum to the water, just to kind of give it a little extra hardness for the, the hops, or a little extra uh, sulfate for the hops. But in this particular case, I'm just going to do yellow balanced. Maybe do a little dilution with RO to knock my sodium levels down just a touch. But otherwise, yeah, I'm just going to go kind of plain in, in the middle of the road and not go for a hard water like a lot of the historical grisettes and saisons seem to have been. For hops, I'm going to keep it simple, and I'm going to follow the new rule I keep talking about, which is, uh, okay, old rule, Bag them for bittering, probably somewhere around either a third or a half an ounce, and then do that for a full 60 minutes. Do a 10-minute addition of Willamette, and that's the new rule I'm talking about, which is if you don't necessarily think you can get high-quality, quote-unquote, local ingredients for the beer, you know, so in this case, like Belgian or Euro- European continental hops, go with a good domestic alternative, and in my case, a good source of Willamette. I like Willamette as a hop, and I think it works really well in the Saison, and it also works well in a cream Ale. So, yay. But I'll do a 10-minute edition with lamet and then also dry hop with Lammet just to give me a little bit of that fresh fresh hop character in the in the beer. Adapting to some of the rules that we've been talking about, only doing the dry hop for three days. And we'll see if that makes a difference with with Lammet because, again, the shorter dry hop thing uh, – well, shorter-colder is all about linalool. I think shorter in general just works better.
1: Yeah, right.
0: And then the, the big question, of course, for me with yeast is always – You know, important to the saison. It's to me, it's a critical element about a saison. I Already said, I'm not going to do any Brett. I'm not going to do any mixed cultures in here. But I want something that's a little fruity and a little spicy because I kind of want the fruitiness for the cream ale and the mild. You know, like a a lot of those English strains are kind of fruity. And I think at the moment, I'm leaning towards one of the Blousy strains. You know, or you know, like one of the strains sourced from Blousy's. And so that would be things like uh, the Yeast 3726, which is uh, the farmhouse. Or Omega's O-Y- O-Y-L-O-4-2. That does not roll off the tongue, does it? <laughs> but th- those are both Blaugies derivatives. And I like the Blaugies for the fact that it does have a nice fruitiness to it. I, Blaugies to me always carries a bit of a pear tone, but it has a very soft, spicy characteristic in the background. So I think what you get is you get you get some of the best aspects of DuPont, but without the aggressiveness of it. And it's also a very reliable fermenter. Right. Because the other thing I also want to do is I don't want to do a hot ferment with this. Now, one, I never advocate doing a hot ferment with a Belgian yeast strain straight from the jump. Get some of those people out there. Oh yeah, you know, take a saison strain and throw it in at 75 degrees and let it ride. They're not quikes. I don't like it. And I don't like the, some of the initial characteristics out of it. My usual thing is to say, pitch it like 63, 64 and let it hang there for a couple of days and let it free rise. In this particular case, since I'm trying to cross over with the mild and the cream ale world, I'm actually kind of thinking I'll restrict any sort of free rise and don't let it get above, say, about 66. Kind of keep it a little bit cooler, and you know, see see if I get some uh, get a different yeast character out of there that I think will work better with the idea of cream ale slash mild. Right. Then the question will be: Okay, well, am I going to favor esters or am I going to favor phenols? I don't think I know yet, so <laughs> <laughs> that's going to be the learning. So much learning going on in this, Dincenzo, Any other thoughts about the mild cream ale saison? Uh,
1: you know, no. I I think that uh, you know, other than other than the uh, rest temperature at one twenty two, it uh, it looks fairly solid.
0: Now, let me ask. How, how much is the grain capacity of the G40? Is it 19 pounds?
1: Uh, yeah, I, I don't know off the top of my head.
0: Well, because one other stupid idea I had, if I wanted to complicate my life even more, because why wouldn't I, is I could even... I still have my G30, and I have different circuits in the garage. So I could, in theory, if I have enough grain capacity, and this is a relatively small batch, a relatively small grain bill, right. I could, in theory mash a fuller mash and get enough word out to do two different boils. Because one of the other ideas I've been playing around with is making another version that either has like a dark candy syrup in it or is just capped with a carafe. So I get Mm -hmm. a light and a dark version.
1: Yeah. It looks like the, uh, the maximum grain weight is 29 pounds, maximum pre boil 12 gallons.
0: Oh, see. Yeah, I could totally do that then. I mean, actually, even with that, if, even if I was just doing, if I could do 12 gallons in there,
1: that's that's the max. I know that's the, yeah, max that's the max. Batch size is eleven gallons. I would say shoot for ten, and you'll end up with two batches that are a little under five.
0: Right, and then if I do a cra- if I do a, I could do a carafe capping. Well, not capping, but I could do a carafe steeping and boil that and add that to one fermenter and get a dark version. Or I could just chill part of the batch and then add candy syrup to the other half of the batch, like I used to,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and get just two slightly different characteristics out of
1: one beer. Right.
0: Wouldn't that be fun to complicate my brew day?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Not my style, but hey, go for it.
0: Well, we know I'm a weirdo. Denny, we know that, uh, what batch number are you on now?
1: I think, I think 593, maybe 595. I don't really remember for sure. I'd have to look.
0: Okay. But you're within striking distance of 600. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Hopefully by the end of the year, I'll hit 600.
0: Lord willing, the creek don't rise, and you don't get hit by a bus. You'll hit six hundred before too long,
1: right? I right? am hoping to brew this Saturday when it gets below ninety five. Finally,
0: do you have any thoughts? Like if you were if you were thinking about making batch six hundred, like I like I am thinking here with the the mild cream saison, would you have any thoughts of where you'd want to go?
1: Nope, <laughs> I'll just wait until it gets closer and see what I feel like. The main consideration is to have an enjoyable brew day.
0: So it sounds like we'll have to revisit this when you get closer to batch 600 and see if you have any goofy ideas.
1: Yeah, you know, it may not be until I get to 599 and I just decide what I feel like drinking and making and uh, I I guarantee you it's not going to be anything complicated.
0: No, I mean but that's kind of your your style.
1: <laughs> yeah, it is, man. Uh, these days, I brew more for the brewing than for the beer, and so I just want to make sure I have a great brew day.
0: All right. Well, there's an idea for something special. Obviously, we'll keep you guys up to date as the beer gets actually produced, and because I've still got to move in the garage. I've still got to find a solution for where I'm going to mount the fermenters, all that sort of good stuff, but we're getting there. And I will let you guys know when the beer gets made, and of course uh, Denny will be getting in a bottle or two so that he can judge that and make fun. Nice. Yeah, right. Well, I mean, after all, I think I think you were, I think you enjoyed the beers I sent you last.
1: Oh, definitely so, definitely so. Uh, I, again, the, the the in quotes cream ale kind of threw me for a loop because the the malted corn has such a different character to it. I wasn't expecting that in a cream ale, but yeah, it was it was good.
0: And let's not forget the fun of the semi-hazy Falcons Talon IPA.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. That was a good one.
0: Yeah, just a damn shame it didn't clear. And don't forget the other lesson. Now that was the Verdant IPA strain actually makes a really good mild.
1: Yeah right. Well, you know what? If it's if it's anywhere close to uh, the Y East London Three, that has been uh, that was originally a mild strain and it was grabbed for. Uh, for uh, I, I, or for hazy IPAs because of its ability to to uh, play with the thials and, and the hops.
0: It throws a good haze and generally doesn't actually add that much yeast bite, so good choice. Well, anyway, that's the idea for the mild cream saison. I, I, I'm working on a name for it because the mild cream saison just seems too much like a mouthful. It's going to have some name, and then it'll probably be styled as mild cream saison, and then it's going to make everybody go, what? And hopefully it also makes everybody forget the uh, clam chowder saison and gives them something new to talk about. Not likely, but.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that one's a classic.
0: Well, in the meanwhile, don't forget if you have uh, any suggestions for me, either about building out the new brewery or, well, now ideas about the mild cream saison that you just heard us talk about, uh, let me know. You can always reach me at druidexperimentalbrew.com. And that's it, huh? That's it. Thank you, everyone, for joining us on another episode of The Brew Files. We hoped that you enjoyed this look at how to take a goofy idea, a joke, and make it into reality. What have you done? What changes would you make to what I'm planning on doing? Let me know. Now, remember, if you have show ideas, styles, brewers, techniques, ingredients, etc., you can drop us a line at podcast at podcast.experimentalbrew.com. You can reach us at denny at denny.experimentalbrew.com or drew.experimentalbrew.com. You can find us on Twitter at EXP Brewing, on Instagram, on Facebook, on Reddit, and just about every homebrew forum out there. And of course, you can always find us at www.experimentalbrew.com. Don't forget to support the podcast by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts, click the AHA or BYO links on the website, and by going to Patreon and pledging a buck or two or more to our charitable cause, which for this part of the year is the Pongo Fund, helping people feed their animals when they're in need. Until next time, remember the brew is out there. And we'll see you on the next episode of The Brew Files.
1: Getting accurate measurements of your beer is one of the keys to improving your brewing. The Pro Series hydrometers from Brewing America will help you help your beer. These American-made NIST traceable hydrometers are accurate, easy to read, and the kits come with a cleaning brush and cloth and a borosilicate test flask that uses half the sample size of most flasks. That means less beer for testing and more beer for you. Brewing America is a small, family-owned business of husband-and-wife veterans, so when you buy a Brewing America hydrometer, you're not only getting a great piece of equipment, you're supporting the people who support America. Brewing America hydrometers are available on Amazon or at www.brewingamerica.com.